Hello and welcome, I'm Alexander. And I'm Simon. We are still knee deep in tech and we are now recording we are recording live. We've had this discussion <laughs> before from the Microsoft Ignite podcast booth. Yep. And how cool is that? That's cool. What's even more cool is that we have Tony with us. Yeah, hello people. And he's back. <laughs> yeah. Our a long time ago. Long time ago, our semi tame Finn. Exactly. So, what's happened so far today? Uh, I think the answer to that question is another question. What has not happened so far today? Oh, my God. Just the sheer amount of stuff that was released at the same time as the... Um, what's the word? The keynote? The keynote, yeah. But not a part of the keynote. So, there, there are... We, we could probably sit here for days and days and days and talk about that. So, we need to squish it down a bit exactly so let's start with a thing that actually were released prior to the keynote which we saw just as the keynote started one of your favorite products what are you talking about the sql server management studio sql server management studio 18 was just released uh, as a beta and you might want to stay away from that one just a tad because I just saw on Twitter that there are a few uh, bugs, <laughs> so be, be, be a bit um, careful with that one. Yep. But yes, it is, it is released, and it is just the start of the 18 series, because yep. we're going to see a lot of, of changes to SQL Server 2019 going forward. Yeah. So let's, uh, while we're talking about the data platform, let's, let's start with that, because everything is data. Data is new currency. Mm -hmm. You can't have enough data. And Adobe, SAP, and Microsoft are new now opening up a lot of their data to help out with modeling for machine learning and so on. Yes. So let's start with the data platform stuff. What's new from today's keynotes and announcements? Oh, there are so many things. And I, I'm struggling to keep everything in my head. So I try to put it down. Where to begin? We have, um, uh, let's see here, with the, the data explorer is just released the uh, today at Microsoft Ignite we announced the preview of Azure Data Explorer which is a, a service that you can embed in your custom application to help drive quick insights into your data yep. kind of making it easier to, to access and, and, um, and look at data we have what's this one there's so much stuff SQL Server 2019. I was just about to say SQL Server 2019. Yep. And the game changer in SQL Server 2019 is the fact that you can... You, you manage to, to take the relational database stuff and the big data stuff. You just combine it. So it's going to be the data hub for all your data, which is unheard of. And it must be a great opportunity to do new things with data as well. Absolutely. In a totally different way that haven't been possible before. True. We've had Polybase, which is a way to, to access big data stuff, but it's kind of difficult to work with. And here we combine Apache Spark with SQL Server in a whole new way. So I'm very much looking forward to 2019 and what we can see. So CTP, the Community Technical yep. Preview 2, was just released. So go check it out. Could you... Just to explain to our listeners, do you have any good example of how that could be used? Um, 
Sorry for that curveball. Well, it, it, it's... Let's see here. You have your own old-style relational database stuff, your tables and your, your views and stuff like that that you've always been working with in, in SQL Server. Then you have the big data stuff, which is not the same thing because it is not relational. You with me so far? Yep. In this case, you can use the same uh, same way to access your data, regardless of what kind of data you have in, in the background. So it, it's kind of a, a wrapper around Polybase and, and that thing. Um, did that make any sense? I guess it did to some people. Yeah, depends on who you ask. Yeah. Depending on who you're asking. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll work with that. Yeah. Anything else in relation to data platform? What do you thought about the SAP Adobe Microsoft The Open initiative? Data Initiative? Yeah. I think it's awesome because one of the things, one of the issues you have with, with AI primarily is that you need a data set to train your AI model. Yep. Okay. You would not believe how many people that come to me and said, okay, I have a data set here and I want to train my model. Fine. So how much data do you have? Oh, I have a lot of data. I have like 10,000 rows. <laughs> uh, <about laughs> Even that. we get that. Yes. Yeah, so you're going to need to tack on a few zeros to that amount of data. And well, here you have a standardized data set, a lot of data, and you can use it that way. And and I think the uh, the whole standardization is key. Yep. Awesome. Yep. So anything else data platform wise? Yeah, I, so something I wanted to bring up: intelligent uh, intelligent data types in Excel. I didn't see that. No, that's in the uh, Microsoft three six five keynote. Okay. Uh, so that's basically a way to. Ask Excel for related data to what's already in the Excel sheet. So if you have a number of countries, for example, you can bring in more data in relation to those countries. So if you have a, uh, like they, when they showed it, they showed a number of offices in different countries. Mm -hmm. They could then add the population of those countries and financial data on so top you, of that. So you're basically using the data type and the data inf information to scrape metadata. Yep. Cool. And that's now included in Excel. You know, that probably means that we're going to see that in Power BI in the very, very short future. Yeah, probably. And that that's a challenge we were having because we watched the technology keynotes from the Hangout area just outside of this booth. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and I had a hard time focusing on my keynote. Yeah, I noticed. Yeah. I noticed. <laughs> so I was constantly pointing at Tony and then pointing to the screen to show him the things he already looked at. <laughs> oh. Because <laughs> you came over to me and you were a bit uh, frazzled, is a good word to use, because you were not able to keep up with two or three screens at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's kind of normal, Simon. <laughs> Thank I'd you. actually be more worried if you could do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So, should we move on to something else 2019? So, the products that still have <laughs> year names. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you are our tame Windows Server guy. I suppose some would say I, I am. So yeah. yeah, sure. So, looking at Server 2019, which we now have a release month for, at least. Uh, also, depending on who you ask. Uh, <laughs> okay, if, you, so if you check the official blog, it says that the general availability is in October. Yep. 
However, I already heard that uh, it will be delivered or downloadable as of this week. Oh, why? Cool. So I'm uh, maybe Friday or something. I don't. I and that, had that, that's the completed release, or yeah, is the general available uh, final RTM release. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And that's then server 2019 as well as the server release 1809, right? I haven't heard anything about that, but okay. I suppose they will be released pretty much hand in hand, yep. considering the build numbers and stuff. So yeah, it should be out around the same time. Yeah. And what's new in Server 2019? Well, it's interesting you all actually uh, talked about these, uh, the quick release uh, version, because uh, all the new features or functions or bug implementations and feature updates that have been done to those have now been implemented in the long-time servicing yep. uh, release for 2019. Uh, so everything that has been released in the last two years has been updated now for 2019 and the long-term uh, yep. release. And uh, besides that, I suppose uh, I'll be sounding like a parrot just like I did last time. <laughs> and it's pretty much not a revolutionary release uh, if you compare it to 2016. Yep. It's more of an evolution once again, uh, just as 2016 was. Okay. Yep. So uh, we had, for example, secure VMs in 2016, which included Windows machines in first hand. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, and now it is also possible to do Linux encrypted machines, uh, virtual machines, uh, more specifically. That's quite cool, considering that we can now run SQL Server on Linux since, yes. a, since a while back. Uh, so that I, I see the usage of that. And also, does that include containers? No. Uh, no, not the shielded VMs function. No, nope. that does not include containers. Nope. Uh, the other thing they have been pushing a lot is the simplicity in doing in-place upgrades. Oh. It's, it's kind of strange for some people to hear, since uh, the mostly common way to actually do an upgrade of your service is to just replace the old server with a new one, yep. mm -hmm. and then just move the content across. So Microsoft has been doing a lot of work in um, making sure that in-place upgrades actually work, and those will actually work all the way down to 2012. Oh. Oh. So that's exciting. That's a bit of a surprise. Yeah. So I know that one of the inside builds that was released a uh, few months ago, I mm -hmm. think, uh, they explicitly told their customers or the insiders that uh, try as many in-place upgrades as possible. Let us know what works and what doesn't work. And that was already a few months ago. Yeah. So I'm hoping that in-place upgrades might actually be a thing uh, in 2019. And yeah. especially for those running 2016 or like clusters or... Yeah. Yeah, Windows rolls yeah. in general. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, the in-place upgrades should actually work surprisingly well this time around. Exciting! Yeah. And yeah. is that also is that a both for the long-term servicing channel, so Server 2019 and 18.09? Uh, again, I haven't really heard much about 18.09 this far. Yeah. Uh, uh, this has been pushed as a 2019 feature. Yeah. Uh, at the, uh, at the insider program, at least. Okay. Yep. So I'm not sure about the 1809. Yeah. But it, it makes sense in both cases, I would say, uh, since, as you may know, I work a bit with Windows as a service, uh, and we also need to look into Windows Server as a service, which true makes true. it a bit more complicated to look at server infrastructure, since every single role, every single application, need to be highly available to be able to do that kind of upgrades. Yeah. Because even if you can do an in-place upgrade, if you only have one server, you will have a downtime which could be hours. Yeah, potentially. Uh, so you still need to be highly available for all your applications, all your systems, all your roles. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I'll be focusing on probably together with, with you yeah. uh, in the coming 
months mm. to see how we can get our customers and partners and friends up to um, a continuous Im improvement of their server infrastructure so we don't fall into the challenge we now are having with server 2008 and R2. Yeah, and as when we came into the, um, the room where we watched the, the keynote, yeah. Patch and Switch had uh, two people on stage, and I can't remember, it was Ned Pyle and... I can't I, remember her name. Uh, no, but she, she said something very, very good, and that was 2008 R2, and both Windows and, and SQL Server was a very, very stable platform. Yep. Unfortunately, Windows 2008 or SQL Server 2008 was a very stable platform, so we yep. still see them around. And there, yep. and there's no point in, in upgrading because the darn thing works. Yeah, it's it's the Windows 7 of server. Yes. Yep. True. So what more? Uh, <coughs> well, speaking interestingly enough about uh, 2008 R2 and file servers specifically, we all got those, I suppose, <laughs> around our customers. And oh, yeah. uh, even go way back to 2003, mm -hmm. actually, and even 2000s. Uh, because that's pretty much the same thing, you know. You have once began building your file server, and now it is like implemented in everything in your organization. Right. You have applications, users, home folders, what have you. Uh, everything is using that file server, and it feels pretty much impossible to actually re replace that without mm -hmm. having severe issues. So Microsoft again has taken this to heart and uh, uh, created a new feature. Um, which is called, let's see, a storage migration service, which is a new feature in uh, 2019. Uh, oh. the, the fun thing is you actually use Windows Admin Center to control this. It is an orchestrational uh, oh. feature. Oh. So what this means is it will take care of your file server migrations, and that is pretty much taken care of completely from start to finish. Uh, your destination server doesn't even have to be a 2019 server. It can be a 2016 server. It can be a 2012 or 2 server. Oh, of course, I would recommend you run 2019 server, but mm -hmm. it is not a requirement. And I have actually tested this feature myself, doing a file server switch from 2008 R2 to 2016. Yep. Uh, so what this does is it analyzes your source machine, uh, picks up on everything pretty much, which shares you have, uh, all the ACLs, uh, the server names, IP addresses, the whole lot. And then you enter your credentials, you put in your destination stuff, uh, and point out which server you want to migrate to. And then it will do a lot of uh, verifications, uh, different tests, just to make sure that this will work just fine. And then you have a copy phase, and then you have a cutover phase. So once you do the cutover, the destination server will actually take over the old machine name, IP address, and pretty much everything else, just so it will be identical to the source machine. But with a newer OS. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's awesome. Can we do that for Windows also, please? <laughs> oh, okay, sure. You mean okay? Uh, I haven't I haven't heard that being announced yet. <laughs> <laughs> it would be neat in, in some cases, apart from having the same name and so on, yeah. and IP address. But but the, but the other thing here, what I think is actually pretty interesting, is I have been pretty much uh, screaming about. To people to use Windows Admin Center because yep. I, I have been using it since last Ignite pretty much, and I think it has improved tremendously since then. Uh, it is very useful in a, in very many cases, and I suppose the customer adoption mostly depends on the mindset yep. uh, more than it does the actual product. Because yep. I think the Admin Center is really the future of Windows management, just as they told us today. Yeah. <laughs> 
so I'm hoping that uh, people will begin using it way more than they are doing today. And uh, this was a perfect example of how Windows Admin Center is actually the tool which orchestrates this uh, server role yep. called Storage Migration Service. So you actually administer it with Windows Admin Center. Yep. So cool. more people into that, please. And then we will be talking a bit about the security enhancements to Microsoft 365. But a part of that is uh, Windows Defender ATP, which is now also included in Server 2019, right? Correct, correct. Yep. Yes, so that is also a feature pretty much that was born in the cloud and has now been trickling down to the actual yep. on-premise on OS as well. Yep. So very good, very nice. Anything else? Uh, well, there have been, again, a lot of improvements in the storage area of the server platform. So uh, I think the biggest thing that they have highlighted this far is the duplication for REFS. Oh. So that was only available for NTFS uh, previously. Uh, can I ask you, in your opinion, how widespread is REFS these days? Uh, is it still a, still a niche product as opposed to NTFS? <laughs> Yeah, compared to NTFS, absolutely it is. Okay. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and especially in our little uh, plot in the Nordics, uh, I mm -hmm. haven't barely heard anyone use that. Okay. But it is definitely a very useful thing, and I suppose globally it's much more widespread than it is in our neck of the woods. Okay, right. Um, but it definitely has its place, and uh, mostly uh, when you come to, like, you know, Weem disaster recovery mm -hmm. uh, platforms or Hyper-V platforms, uh, Hyper-Converge platforms, uh, it is definitely the better platform today, I'd say. Okay, nope. it is the and way forward. Yeah, and especially now that you get the, the, the duplication as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah. But th because that must have been a really hard thing to work around when you're used to having deduplication for NTFS. Yeah. And even though you see the value of using uh, REFS. Yeah you would then need so much more storage, for yeah, yeah, especially yeah. when we talk about virtual machines. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I remember from last year that they did this uh, incredible demo using snapshots in Hyper-V. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, you let it grow for, say, a week, and then you try to restore the snapshot. It takes pretty much forever yeah. uh, just to merge those two back together. Uh, but using REFS, it's like a blink of an eye, and it's already done. Cool. So there is definitely very much use for REFS. Mm -hmm. Good. I can actually. I, I looked through the um, the big book of um, news. Yeah, <laughs> we we really should mention that. Yeah, there's a book out yes. with all the news that I announced during the keynotes, and that's a vital thing to remember. Yes, that's only what's in the keynotes, but yes. it's 27 pages long. It is, uh, and that's available now uh, mm -hmm. online. We'll add um, the link in our uh, in the show notes. In show yeah. notes. Uh, that's a great way to get a, an overview of the keynote announcements, but they are still making announcements as we <laughs> as we speak. Oh, definitely. One one yeah. of the interesting things SQL Server 2019 has that is not in this document is that it has extended support for uh, non-volatile memory. Oh, um, yeah. So the the um, memristor thing that's going to be in there, and um, Argenis Fernandez, DB Argenis is going to be giving a session about this here at Ignite in, I don't think it's today, I think it might be tomorrow. Okay, yep. So that, that's going to be interesting. Great. And then, of course, something that we don't work very much with, none of us, the IoT things. Yep. Holy cow, IoT is exploding. Yep. With Azure Sphere, the whole digital twins thing. The digital twins sounded Awesome. Yes. 
blob storage support on IoT Edge. Mm -hmm. So there are lots of new features for that. And I'm pretty sure that you are going to need to talk about your new obsession. <laughs> Which obsession? Oh, I'm thinking about the data box. The data box, yeah. <laughs> Simon literally just came running up and said, they have a data box. It's like a petabyte this big. I want it. Uh, to be completely honest, they, they, they had the data box last year. We saw it, yep. and yep. we both wanted it at that time. Oh, yeah, it was very good looking. Yeah. And basically, the data box is a way to move your data to Azure without pushing it over the network. Yeah. So you get a small box this size with a Microsoft logo on. That's important. Uh, with 100 terabytes in. So it's like a small form factor desktop with 100 terabytes. Wow. Uh, which you push your data into, mm -hmm. you send the box to Microsoft, yeah. and they upload it into your tenant. Okay. They now have a big data box, or a heavy data box, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, one petabyte. One petabyte of data. Yeah, it's, it's called data box heavy. Yeah. So it may be inspired by a certain rocket which we won't go into. Uh, anyways, so that's a petabyte of data. That's not the size of a small <laughs> desktop machine. Oh. <laughs> that's it, a, it, a bit bigger. A tad bigger. A tad bigger. Mm -hmm. They also had a data box gateway, if I remember correctly. Okay. Uh, which you can use to, again, yeah. push data to Azure in a more efficient way, so to say. But it's a way to get, if you have a huge amount of data mm -hmm. that you want up to Azure, no matter how fast your internet connection is, you will have a faster connection to a data box. Yes. And you will send it up. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So uh, what about your stuff? Yeah. First of all, I need to mention one of the things I pointed out to him in, in regards to awesome hardware things. Uh-huh. You can now get ultra SSD drives in Azure. I saw that. 160,000 IOPS. On one drive. Yeah. That is... You know, could, I could remember you? when I started out with harder. Well, actually, I started out with floppies. <laughs> you did? Yes. And we did not have many IOPS on those. New? I, I bet you. And just a spinning drive, 180 to 230-ish. Yeah. Could The question, this is an important one. Mm -hmm. Could you get an Ultra SSD for your OneDrive for business? Moving on. Um... Yeah, so, so Microsoft 365, uh, lots of new things there as well. Um, the equivalent of Windows Admin Center is now released for Microsoft 365, so the modern desktop management center, which will be one single pane of glass to manage your Microsoft 365 environment. So everything from data protection to device management, uh, um, identities and so on in one single location. Really? Yeah. Which, and we are allowed to talk about this now, the things we learned. Yes, yep. Monday has passed. Yeah, Monday has passed. So when we uh, were at the MCT day, we got the latest info on how Microsoft now are looking into training. Mm. And one of the most vital parts that I spoke about were um, activity... Role-based. Role-based training, yeah. Yes. So Microsoft 365 Administrator. Yes. So this puts that into focus, mm -hmm. that they are now really, they are focusing on Microsoft 365 as the way to go. Yep. It's, not, it not, it's not just a licensing bundling. It's an actual suite that you should be using together. Mm -hmm. It's not an option. No. 
in reality to no. use only parts of it. Yes. Uh, if you use everything, you have great tools to manage it with, um, streamlined learning, certification, everything is actually coming together at last. Yep. And I think that clear path between you learn something, you work with it, you get certified, and it's actually the same thing all the way is a joy to see. Yes, the consistency. And when we were at the, the MCT, um, uh, the MCT pre-day or zero day, it was very obvious that learning is now one of the top five uh, priorities for Microsoft. Satya has said that learning is one of the top five priorities. Yeah, overall. Is, and overall, yes. And this has not always been the case. We've had a, a kind of a rocky few years where nobody probably knew where the MCT program was going. So that is amazing. Yep. And then, as you said, the role-based uh, tracks, simplifying certification, simplifying uh, skills. Yeah. It's going to be a much easier to teach. Yeah. Because all of the courses are, are split. It's no longer a monolithic five-day, bam, Windows Server 2016 or 2019 course. That's gone. Yeah. Now you have specific skill sets into nuggets of one and a half, uh, a half day to two days, two days, yeah, one specific area, and you can mix and match just exactly what you need in order to teach and and create your own material. Yeah, so that's awesome. Um, there's so much to talk about. We will actually be doing interviews during the week as well to focus on some of the topics. So I'll just run through them quickly. Yeah. Um, so we, we last week, where I, first of all, I go back to the Microsoft Managed Desktop, mm -hmm. which was announced Friday two weeks ago, if I remember correctly, uh, which is basically a management service provided by today by Microsoft, okay. which enables you to buy a hardware device, in this case a Surface, with the Microsoft 365 suite run by Microsoft. So you mm -hmm. buy the device as a mm -hmm. service, including all the management of it, uh, which is super interesting and again puts the focus on that Microsoft wants people to use this and if they are struggling with keeping up with the management of it they can take care of it yeah. they can take care of yep. um, the servicing of Office the servicing of Windows everything mm -hmm. and coming back to today we also now officially saw the um, both the desktop analytics which will be replacing Windows Analytics. Oh, yeah, right. So the right. AI-driven uh, telemetry solution for you to manage your servicing of Office and Windows and handle application compatibility, mm -hmm. which leads us to the desktop Aperture, which is Microsoft's promise to help all of the customers, mind you, running enterprise or education yeah. with application compatibility. So starting Monday next week, 1st of October. If you have an application that's incompatible, when you move, if it works on Windows 7 if it, and then doesn't work on Windows yeah. 10, you will get help from Microsoft for free to solve that challenge. Mm -hmm. They will even work with you if it's your uh, uh, application developed in-house. They will help you recode it yep. and learn your developers how to avoid this challenge again. If it's developed um, at, with a service provider mm -hmm. or whatever, they will actually help you in that discussion as well. 
and they will do shims. They will try to work it out uh, if they can't solve the coding-wise. So they they can tell the developer. Really? Oh, yeah, they help. They can tell the develop the, the parts that develops. Right. What they need to do. Okay. They can't force them to do anything. Yeah, no, no. And they will then try to make it work regardless of it. They will even repackage for you. If you have a package that you want to use, it's incompatible. They will open the package, fix it, and then create it back to a package. So it's an amazing service yes. that you really should choose if you are eligible. So if you run enterprise education, wait until Monday uh, for the US and February for, for the rest of the world to use this service. It will be an absolute joy to migrate to Windows 10 with that help. And they, the customers they've been working with, they are really pleased. They haven't failed with one application yet. Really? Yeah. Um, moving into another thing that's long been long awaited, Windows Virtual Desktops in Azure. Yeah. So you now can get a multi-user Windows desktop running in Azure. And they weren't saying it here, but Citrix released a blog post simultaneously. <laughs> Oh, so you can guess who's running the virtualization. I, I was just about to ask that because yeah. I was thinking that it's probably Citrix. Yeah, so it's Citrix that will be providing the service from okay. from Azure. Uh, so you will be able to buy a multi-user VDI uh, from Azure delivered by Citrix. Yes. I haven't seen anything in regards to pricing yet, but this is a game changer as well. This mm. can help so many organizations to move faster to Windows 10, move mm. faster to modern desktop. Um, building on that, we now have new enhancements to Autopilot, but I'll wait with those to a later interview this week when we have the opportunity to speak to uh, some of our colleagues yep. and uh, MVP friends. And I think we're pretty pretty fast running out of time. As again, we, we could sit here and talk for days and days and days about this. Yeah, and we, just, we have just started. Yeah, we, we have so many things to tell you about, mm -hmm. look into, explain. Um, but before we end, I wanted to take uh, just a few minutes to to the new buzzwords or the new tagline: mm -hmm. tech intensity. Yeah, tech intensity. One. Yes, uh, that was one of the the main taglines from Satya's keynote, and I love it, and yep. I love the explanation of it. Um, so that that's something that we we need to get a new sticker. Well, I'm sure we do. I'm tech intense. Knee deep in tech intensity, right? Wait, what? Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We we need to work on that one. <laughs> yep. Um, and also, they had a number of other great um, customer scenarios, customer cases across the keynotes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really like the Goodyear part. Yeah. Uh, but the thing about that, and the thing I pointed out on Twitter, which is the vital part of that, or two things really. First of all, Goodyear planned their implementation of Microsoft 365 for nine months before they deployed anything. Mm -hmm. But they then did the deployment for 67,000 users in three months. Yes. So planning is vital. And especially when you look at data management mm. in Microsoft 365. So what should you in, go in SharePoint? What should go in Teams? What should go in OneDrive? Um, that's vital for a successful implementation. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that she said, uh, the CEO of Goodyear, were 
the, the notion of we shouldn't keep forcing our users into using something. We need to create a culture where we inspire people, inspire users to use the technology we yes. provide them with. We, we, we're now in a world where the users actually can make a choice where they can say, yeah, no, I don't want to use your technology. I can use my own. It's so easy today. So we really need to get a culture going inside of organizations around user adoption, around inspiration, around use cases that resonates with the users. You pretty much need to get a buy-in. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, there's a bunch of other stuff. We, we, we have plenty of things to talk about during the week. This um, is like day one. Still. This is day And day one isn't even over yet. No. So we'll be recording in here tomorrow at quarter past 10 yes. a.m. And Wednesday, quarter past three. So the same time as this time mm -hmm. on, on Wednesday. We'll also be doing a number of interviews, uh, additional podcasts, webcasts during the week. So stay tuned. Follow our Twitter handles. So in Alexander's case, it's ArcticDBA. Yep. I'm Bindertech, and you can, of course, follow Tony as well. You Mr. should. Yeah, you should. Yep. Mr. Black's V. Yep, so Mr. Black and S-W-E as in Sweden. Yeah. He doesn't say much, but what he says, listen. Yeah, <laughs> and of course, follow the hashtag NeedyBindertech. Uh, we will be delivering news and uh, interviews from Microsoft Ignite, uh, and possibly also a couple of rants and inappropriate jokes. Could, could happen, yeah. yeah. Could happen. Uh, but it was a pleasure to sum things up a bit from the keynotes. Uh, I know there's a session going on with all the news in Intune and Config Manager. Just to show that in, we now or soon will have uh, the ability to deploy Win32 apps from Intune. In really? almost the same way as we do with Config Manager. Cool. Yeah. I think we, we're done for now. I think we're done, yeah. Um, or we have to be done, yeah. because <laughs> otherwise they are going to kick us out, which is not a good thing. Yep. So we will be back, and thank you very much for listening. And have a great Ignite. Have a great Ignite. See you. Bye. Bye. Bye.